The importance of Clone Wars that cannot be understated is that it was, it was the last huge expansion of the Star Wars universe that came directly from George Lucas. We were able to take it in directions that had never been done before. You really got to see a lot of the things that they hinted at in the prequel movies but didn't really get to explore. Because it came from George, it's so tapped into the history of cinema and the stuff that inspired him. The stories were there. They were written. Some of them were completely designed by Killian's design team. Some of them were shot. They just weren't animated and, and lit. Even though those Clone Wars episodes did not get publicly revealed, we still look at their core stories as having happened. The one thing you need are good stories to tell, and thanks to the legacy that George left us, we have uh, many, many, many good stories that hopefully the audience will get to see. Hello, Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 144 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. It's a beautiful time for Star Wars. Things are happening. Things are filming. You see photos of things happening. You don't even know what it is. Some weird little alien. Is it episode 9? Is it the Mandalorian? <laughs> Cardboard cutout people standing in a desert somewhere, possibly. I, I couldn't ask for anything better. <laughs> we thought there wouldn't be anything going on this holiday season since there's not a movie coming out. But there's a lot of movies and things being made that are keeping us going. So later we are going to be talking all about Clone Wars and unfinished episodes of Clone Wars and the Bad Batch and what are we getting in this new Clone Wars series? Who knows? And we're going to be getting all into it later. But first, let's talk about The Mandalorian. No disintegration. As you wish. And now Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. All of this because of one helmeted bounty hunter. A week, week and a half since The Mandalorian has been announced. How, how, how's your thought process going on this whole thing? I can't stop thinking about The Mandalorian. Well, when I close my eyes, all I see is The Mandalorian staring back at me, filling me with questions. I don't, I just keep thinking about the whole the timeline of it being between 
Jedi and before Force Awakens and just we haven't really seen much of that timeline and the fact that just thinking about sequel trilogy people that could like Han and Chewie could theoretically show up like would they be that crazy to get Harrison Ford to come in, in an episode and be grumpy he could have his beard oh my god yeah I didn't even think about that bearded Han Solo <laughs> they had it in the game it's a thing now so scruffy Solo and Chewie hanging out crossing paths with the Mandalorian like I don't want to get crazy but what if bearded that great big bushy beard that Harrison Ford has there's no way that that's a great big bushy Han Solo beard, is it? Is that, am I getting crazy here? Well, if he are, he's Harrison Ford. If he had it, they'd probably just let him keep it. Get in a plane and fly away if you uh, get him angry. That would be mind warping, though, if like the, the, the Dave Filoni episode, the first episode of The Mandalorian, they go into some bar and there's Han and Chewie sitting in there. That's what's so crazy is they, they totally could make that work and it doesn't seem that far-fetched right to get i mean eunice is probably i mean he's up to be chewy whenever wherever for whoever so having chewbacca would make sense and if maybe king prana will be in it we'll finally get some king prana action oh yeah there's just so much cool old stuff that could cross into the mandalorian in addition to any crazy new stuff that they're gonna and new characters and things they're going to throw in. Well, and like you were saying, the Empire is gone. It's long before the First Order. And they, they kind of hinted at some of this in like the Aftermath books. But I really love the idea of crazy people who refuse to admit that the Empire is done. And are maybe still clinging on to the, like, the Empire still has some control over like this Outer Rim planet that they're on. Or people that maybe think the Emperor is still alive and maybe if they're so far removed from the center of the galaxy that maybe they don't really know what happened, you know, and like the news that like, hey, it's over, still hasn't reached the Outer Rim. You know, you could even get crazy and have old Empire people fighting with new First Order people that don't get along. Get Stormtrooper versus Stormtrooper action. What if somebody like Brendel Hux is like rolling through a town and like recruiting for the future of the galaxy or something? Or they're kidnapping kids. This is when they would be abducting kids to be First Order soldiers, right? I mean, this is like, like how crazy would that be if there's an episode with little kid Finn? We already know what he looks like from his uh, hologram chart. We will see Finn get abducted, little baby Finn. If there was like little kid red-haired with a runny nose Hux, I would jump out a window. Young Kylo and Hux cross paths. <laughs> but Adam Driver today as like five-year-old Ben Solo. They'll just do the Benjamin Buttons technique and just put his full-grown head on a small little body. It's me, I'm a child now. <laughs> I would like some candy, father. <laughs> We were talking about this last week, but do you think it's weird that like we know who the directors are and the creative people involved? But do you think it's weird that they haven't said anybody in the cast yet? Or who's playing the Mandalorian? I guess, yeah, they're going for mystery. I don't know. Will, will knowing who the cast is give away some of the ep stories? Like, would they go so far as to not tell you who's in the episode until you see the episode? The fact that they're being mysterious and watch they'll announce it tomorrow but 
that they're being mysterious on who's playing the Mandalorian, is that for a reason? Yeah, well, we never know. Is it like, uh, as far as we know, the Mandalorian is a real person and we won't, we won't know who's in the suit? It's like how uh, Adam Driver is really Kylo Ren. That's why he doesn't go to celebration. It's not funny, people. There's someone in that suit. You would think when they put out that picture on StarWars.com, they'd be like, yes, and here is actor or actress or puppet or whatever as the Mandalorian. I know. I don't know. It's just, it's odd. Maybe the Mandalorian's a different actor or actress every episode. Um, <laughs> who, who is it going to be this week? It better be CG Don Knotts one week. That's all I'm saying. He can play the the uh, detective from Coruscant, only in, it'll be CG Don Knotts as live-action Coruscant detective. CG Jim Neighbors. It's a whole Mayberry reunion. That was the only reason Ron Howard agreed to do Solo. The Andy Griffith Show. The more I think about it, the more craziness I think of, and the more it go around in circles in my head, what's going to be in The Mandalorian? What's going to happen? What's going to go? There was a thing about, I think Disney announced they're working with epic to use their like real-time game technology potentially to do stuff for one of the live action shows so maybe some of the cg effects in the mandalorian will be done that way so they can do them faster and cheaper because i that's one thing i wonder is like how how wild and crazy is the mandalorian going to be because i mean we'll talk more when we get to bad batch but like since television star wars has always been animated television star wars gets really wild and crazy is the Mandalorian going to stick more to the sequel films where they kind of keep it a little bit cooler? Or is it going to be like Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, full-on craziness? Bringing in Epic Games makes sense, too, for faster rendering because it's essentially a 10-hour Star Wars movie. Like, if ILM was working on the effects for that, it would take, like, 20 years for it to come out. And this thing's got to come out, like, next year. It's 10 hours of Star Wars content. Well, I think there's always the thing with TV shows, too, where it's almost like you expect a certain level of quality for a movie. But for TV, you can kind of be more forgiving. Are they going to do less and try to make it match the quality of a film? Or are they just going to roll with it being on TV? Kind of like how the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones were, where you could tell it was, wasn't quite like movie quality, but it was like good enough to just do really big kind of out there fantasy stuff. You know, are we going to get space battles and big ships and CG creatures mixed in with the puppets and things? I'm still kind of holding on to a dream that like the first episode of the Mandalorian, like the Filoni one, just put it in theaters like for one night, like one of those deals or something like a special one night only event. Watch the premiere of the Mandalorian on the big screen. They need to stop making so many movies. <laughs> so there's room in the theaters. They could put every put each episode in the theater every week. But yeah, it's exciting. And it's the what? The first live action show. So there's others waiting in the wings. <laughs> Roller skating Gungans. Lucasfilm is not reading my emails. We can keep asking though. Boom! Excuse me. So if The Mandalorian isn't making you crazy enough, there's still episode nine. It's still filming. It's still... Hit it! One, two, three, 
distract us with mandalorian but it's we know they can't fool us for long we know it's still happening somewhere in a desert somewhere when you're at the drive-thru taco bell then they ask you if you want hot or mild sauce this is like mild spoilers we're not going into like hot spoilers yeah you're not gonna have a stomach ache afterwards it's a star wars movie filming in a desert imagine that <laughs> there's something going on in a desert we've seen what a forest in a desert so is it a new planet? Is it an old planet? Supposedly in this desert set, Daisy Ridley has been spotted. And that's a big, big, big question mark of nine of what is Ray up to? She's in a desert. To me, this desert looks a heck of a lot like Jeddah. And I, but I think we've talked about this before. Going back to Tatooine and the final installment of the Skywalker saga would be kind of cool. Going back to Jakku could make sense, too. As much as there are people who want Ray's parents not to just be dead, it would be pretty wild if she went back to Jakku and found her parents' grave now that she's come to terms that they were there the whole time. Because we get Anakin with his mom's grave in Attack of the Clones, and we got Luke and Vader and Jedi. Maybe Ray wants to go see where her parents are. And it would be neat to see another part of Jakku. Yeah, far away from Nima Outpost. But then Jeddah would be kind of cool because it would be 30 years after Jeddah City was wiped out. If the remains of like the Temple of the Wills was like buried under sand. I don't know. It has a very Raiders of Lost Ark, Well of Souls kind of thing. Or just seeing a planet that potentially the only planet that survived a blast from the Death Star other than maybe Scarif. That would be a pretty cool alien location of, you know, a planet with a big giant crater in it from the Death Star. I don't know. I blacked out for a minute there thinking about the possibilities. <laughs> she can find Saw, find Saw Gerrera's leg. <laughs> That's going to be her lightsaber hilt when she builds a new, a new lightsaber. It's like Barter Town and Borgullet is running the whole town. Yeah, Borgullet survived. He just burrowed deeper and deeper. <laughs> he heard the thing coming and he's like, whoa. And he emerges to rule over the land and spin the wheel, make a deal. Son of Two Tubes is there. New eggmates. But I don't know. It's just crazy with Nine. We got that one photo of everybody in the Falcon, which nobody's even talking about that anymore because we've been distracted by a million other things, Mandalorians and shiny helmets and stuff. But aside from that, we haven't gotten diddly squat yeah because they haven't even well i guess we got some casting announcements that's it that's it and that was like in july ron howard was posting a photo of a steering wheel and somebody's shoes every other day but he only had two weeks to finish a movie jj's got some jj's got a few a few more weeks than that so and yeah maybe he broke his phone after he he joined instagram posted a picture and then dropped his phone in the toilet and he hasn't had time to get a new one we need something. We're freaking out. We need anything. A blurry photo. You can, it can be like a puzzle, like a word scramble. I think we're too early for puzzles. We, if anything, we gotta. We could be hoping for, uh, well, I guess we're not going to get any Christmas ornaments because it's not going to be this year. Man, what are we going to do without a uh, Hallmark blurry picture to, to obsess over? 
We're months away from blurry pictures of Legos. Yeah, Legos are our best bet. That's not going to be till next year. We need a Force for Change video or something. Yeah, well, do you think The Mandalorian will come out before Episode 9? Possibly. So, yeah, we will probably get a live-action TV show and new Clone Wars and maybe something else before Episode 9. I don't know. I'm not ready to go back to the old days. (laughs) I'm not ready to wait. They spoiled me. 14 months away. (laughs) It is week three of the greatest party that has ever hit the planet Earth. Snoketoberfest. no party like a snoke party (laughs) because a snoke party does not stop until the month of october is over if if you're just tuning in for the first time with snoketoberfest what we're doing is every single week we are highlighting a classic snoke line because really you know really actually all of his lines are classics but some of them just bubble up to the top a little bit more than others well and there's only four weeks in snoketober so but there's always next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. This is all leading up to a massive Snoke celebration coming at the end of this month. But for now, for this week, we've got another classic Snoke line. And I wonder what it's going to be this week. Hmm. Yes. I see him turning the lightsaber to strike true. All right, there it is. Snoketober. Snoketoberfest. It's kind of like spring break, but colder and golder. (laughs) And wrinkly. Do you think Snoke smells bad? I would think he'd smell awful. Can't imagine he smells great. He's got like open sores and stuff. He might have a lot of, like, cologne. He has that weird, like, he's stinky mixed with too much perfume smell, maybe. Because <laughs> the, the purple spooky dudes probably smell like lavender. Oh, I'm sure. Blueberries. Maybe those pits that the Praetorian guards fell in and got chopped up is where they he throws in his potpourri. <laughs> Why did they walk into Snoke's red room? Ray's like, what's that smell? It's potpourri. Stoketoberfest! <laughs> The dark side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. Star Wars, the Clone Wars. The droid army has launched a full-scale attack, but clone reinforcements have just arrived. It's the massive all-terrain tactical enforcer. The ATTE has enough firepower to take down the droid army with projectile launchers, a main blaster cannon, and room enough to carry an entire squad of clone troopers into battle. Move out, let's go! The droid army doesn't stand a chance with the ATTE. ATTE comes with one figure, other figures sold separately, batteries not included. So something I've been wondering ever since the announcement was made of more Clone Wars were coming and something we've been talking about and there hasn't really been an answer for 
is of this new series of Clone Wars episodes that's coming next year, how much of that is going to be what we know of like all those unfinished story arcs that they did, all those celebration panels about? Do they want to do episodes that are going to be brand new where people kind of have already kind of seen those episodes, even in an unfinished form? Or will they change aspects of it? Or do they want to do those because like the voice actor recordings are already done or they're already halfway done at some point? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it would make sense to at least finish all the episodes that they already have the voice acting for. And I mean, they have the animatics done. Like some of those episodes, like Bad Batch that we'll talk about, like they're watchable in the form they are now. So it seems like a no-brainer to at least pass those off on to somebody to finish. But yeah, I feel like the bigger question is, are they going to, is this a short-term thing? They're just going to do season seven, finish season six. Are they going to do season eight? Because they wrote scripts for those. Are they going to, if people are going crazy and love it, are they going to just keep it going because they need stuff for the Disney On Demand service? In March of 2016, Pablo Hidalgo, said that there were 13 story arcs left unfinished after the sixth season, which later became known as the the Lost Missions. First draft scripts have been written for season seven and eight prior to the series cancellation. Season seven, which never aired, had 24 episodes. And out there, there's... The Crystal Crisis on Utapau story arc, which that was four episodes. There's Bad Batch, which we're going to talk about, which that was four episodes. And then there were all those other stories, which they've talked about. Very important stories that still kind of leave holes in that time period of the Clone Wars timeline, like of stories that have kind of been told yet, but haven't been officially told. So let's run through some of the the dangling threads, the unfinished business of the Clone Wars that's still out there. There was the Sons of Dathomir, which they did the Dark Horse comic for, but now it's like almost, do we need to know what happened to Maul after Clone Wars and before Rebels, before, especially now with Solo? Do we need to really see that and not just in a comic? Maybe we do. Yeah, that's a tough one because it's kind of like you could see leaving that out because the story is kind of told somewhere else. But then on the other hand, like if you want to watch the whole story as Clone Wars, I would be fine watching something that I read the comic for. I mean, there's they do movie adaptations as comics and things, so it's not that strange to do two versions of this two in two versions of the same thing in different mediums. Well, and in Sons of Dathomir too, like Palpatine goes to Dathomir and cleans house with like the Night Sisters and Mother Towson and all that. And then when they get to Rebels, they're not around anymore and Maul is still hanging out there. And even in Solo, he's like come to me in Dathomir. So he's still chilling there. I think there was some more Dooku in there. Any excuse to get Dooku on screen? Is okay in my book. Yeah, there was the whole Dark Disciple book um, written by Christine Golden with Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. With her sweet haircut. And there was the Crystal Crisis on Utapau, which we mentioned. There was that whole bounty hunter arc with Boba and Cad Bane going to Tatooine to rescue a kid. 
Cad Bane talking about how he knew Django Fett. Mm-hmm. The whole Ahsoka's walkabout where she got like a love interest and she was like flirting with a life of crime and the down and dirty sections of Coruscant. Yeah, hanging out with Pikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. All of these, like there's no filler in these. Like these are all, and like even back to Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple is like eight episodes. Like that's insane, right? That's that's a full movie. That was a full movie of Clone Wars. Well, and these are all like stories that like y- you hear about these and you're like, yeah, these are things we need to know about. Well, there's the the Kashik one with Yoda and the Wookiees. Yeah, fighting off a bunch of tran- Trandoshans that was going to get crazy into Wookiee culture with like Tarful playing, praying to a tree. Forget it. Yeah. I'm out. You want me to pay $8 a month? Show me Tarful talking to a tree and you can have my money. I'll prepay for two years. You get Tarful talking to a tree. I'm going to get in my car and drive away, but I'm going to be so freaked out that I'm going to forget to put it in reverse and drive my car through the house. Well, because you won't need a house anymore because you can just watch Tarful talk to a tree on your phone and sleep on the street and you'll be happy. Just fly away. Mm-hmm. Go live in the forest. And talk to a tree. That's, I'm going to be talking to trees. <laughs> um, there was a whole episode about just Rex and R2-D2. There was like Ahsoka discovering a Sith temple under a Jedi temple and like Palpatine was trying to get to the Jedi temple or the Sith temple and Palpatine and like Ahsoka. We're going to have like a little convo. It kind of sounds like an episode of rebels actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they kind of turned that into that rebels episode. There was a Mon Calamari episode. Yeah. Which I was reading about that. We need to know why the Mon Calamari's, became such good buddies with the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, and that was Padme, Padme Mon Calamari action. I got two words if they do that episode in the new Clone Wars. Young Rabbis. Everybody's talking about Akbar, and that's cool. I love Akbar, but young Radis. Troublemaker. Heartbreaker. He rides in on a big motorcycle. He has a leather jacket. They're like, they're like, young Radis, what do you think? First I need pizza. <laughs> Get him some pizza. Anakin would be jealous. Radis is so handsome and Padme's might get tempted away from him. They would literally animate Padme with hearts over her eyes looking at young Radis, which I don't blame her at all. I would be too. Padme's just sweating in the whole episode. Even Obi-Wan's like, oh my, that Radis is something. There was the X-Files episode with the Yuzan Vong abducting people. We need that. Yes. Let's let's get crazy with the Yuzan Vong. I want Yuzan Vong abducting Prince Gizor people. The ultimate in tacky Star Wars stuff from books. <laughs> Just put it all together in one episode. <laughs> and in the end, they both blow each other up. <laughs> <laughs> Where all the Prince Gizor people and all the Yuzan Vong are just gone. Vong with the wind. <laughs> I think that was the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the, the biggest of them all, the whole Siege of Mandalore arc where we get to see General Grievous kidnap Palpatine and Ahsoka and Rex basically taking on Maul and all his 
dudes on uh, Mandalore, right? Well, and we we know that's coming. There was art shown, at, I think it's Celebration, God, 2015 or something, or one of them, where pretty much showed a Dave Filoni drawing of the Clone Trooper helmet with the Ahsoka face on it that now is like the big Clone Wars saved poster. You know, you think about like how they had all these scripts written or even first drafts written for season seven and eight, but when season five was going on, and it's just a good reminder of how far ahead these things are planned. I noticed just last week when they put out the the stuff on the first episodes of Resistance, and they put out like those character model diagrams, and they had little dates in the corner, and like the date for the model of Kaz getting approved was October 2016. So that was like two months before Rogue One came out. And Kaz's look and beginnings of the animation process for him were beginning. I feel like a lot of people sometimes like think these things are done in a week or things are a reaction to something. And no, it's like these things are planned out really, 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 really far in advance. Yeah, and don't think about it too much because... I don't even want to know what they're planning now because I can barely take what we know they're planning without even knowing about the stuff we don't know that they're planning. The hardest thing for the new cloners has got to be, I mean, they've said it's going to be 12 episodes, at least initially. Like, how do you pick 12 episodes from all the ones that were available? I mean, there's so many out there. And even of the ones, I mean, and are they just going to do the ones that we've seen that are out there? As far as in the unfinished animatic ones, because that, I guess there's eight at least that we've seen between Bad Batch and the Crystal one is eight episodes. Filoni was talking about this at uh, Celebration Anaheim that there's more out there, but he doesn't like to show them if if they have temp dialogue and not done by the actors. We have those full episodes. One reason I didn't was because those episodes aren't fully voiced by the voice actors. And I don't like to show something like showing this with temp dialogue on it by people that aren't the actual actors is not something that I'm really excited about. So whenever I show something in its, you know, proxy form, I try to make sure that it's going to represent each phase of the process um, well. So for Matt Wood, even though he and Dave didn't mix the sound on this, I make sure that they get a chance to look at it. Um, Nathan Cormier up at work did a lot of work in his spare editorial time to make all these sound effects happen. Um, We had to do temp music. A lot of work still went into this presentation today, even though it's proxy. And it's actually difficult to do that on a large scale. So I have to kind of judge, is this finished enough to show you guys? Uh, And it just so happened those other clips were kind of the best pieces of those episodes. Like the Venture stuff... I won't show a lot of because I don't have Nika Futterman with the voice. And to me, like without Nika's voice, it's just not venturous. So while it's fun to see the staging, um, you know, Dee obviously brings this to life uh, through his voice and fills in all the blanks missing. So that's why. He doesn't want to show something to fans in a really rough state. And I guess that speaks to how good like the Crystal Crisis ones and these Bad Batch ones are, that you can watch them in this maybe not even halfway done state and still be really into them. 
Yeah, if you squint your eyes, it's almost like you're watching the real thing. It's like it's so good, you don't even need the character's lips to move. No, no, it's still exciting. But yeah, I guess we'll find out soon what the 12, I mean, we know maybe Bad Batch is four of those 12 because we saw the Bad Batch guy. I mean, the announcement trailer was right out of Bad Batch or out of what the second episode, Distant Echo. The opening shot of Distant Echo is in that announcement trailer that showed at San Diego. So is that a sign that a finished version of Bad Batch will be coming in these new Clone Wars? I don't know. They could just do Crystal's Bad Batch and Siege of Mandalore. That's 12 episodes, but that seems like that's kind of jumping around, right? But maybe they will jump around. I mean, Clone Wars kind of always did jump around in its timeline. But would they show Siege of Mandalore, which kind of ends Clone Wars, and then go back and show some of the other stories later? I guess we don't know. It's got to be so tough because all those ones that we mentioned, except maybe not the Yuzan Vong one, (laughs) but like... Like, what happened to Ahsoka immediately after she left the Jedi Temple? Or wrapping up Cad Bane and Boba Fett and all that stuff. The little stuff like the Mon Calamari's turning against, you know, what they know is bad in the Republic. And the the fledgling, very early beginnings of the Rebel Alliance. And maybe even the Mon Cal's affiliating themselves with Saw Gerrera and his groups during that time i don't know but then you'd think too that somebody like filoni and his team at this point they could bring in characters like enfys nest's mother and there's a lot that could be added to these stories even now that they couldn't do if they just completely stuck with the old scripts that they had back when clone wars was maybe going to go to season seven or eight well, that's why I wonder if the if our initial 12 are going to be from the ones that are closest to being finished with the the option. I mean, why wouldn't you if people are going crazy and people are signing up for the streaming service to see this stuff, then go ahead and take some of the stories that weren't as far along or maybe didn't have the dialogue recorded and make those. Because I guess people wouldn't, I wouldn't care if they were all out of order, if I just got more of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, Clone Wars has always been kind of weird and out of order. Yeah. Well, and I think the cool thing with the way these were all written, too, once they kind of got the rhythm of doing these three, four episode arcs, if literally just every six months they just released one arc, I mean, that's an hour of new Star Wars. You wouldn't even have to do full seasons. Just put them out arc by arc. Why not? I don't think anyone would complain. I would be happy with that. I was super lucky the entire time on Clone Wars. I, as the supervising director, I never had to push people to do their best. Everybody always wanted to do their best. I worked with the best episodic directors. I worked with the best production staff, the, the best story team. I mean, everybody was just so impressive the whole time um, that it was just, a, there was no limit. We, we could only limit ourselves by our imagination. So, you know, like Kyle Dunleavy, who directed the first episode, was brilliant with his team of guys uh, at doing long shots. They loved the long sequence shots that would hand off one to the other. So I would go over the blocking with them. We would map it out on a whiteboard. So we would know where everything was like you would in a live-action movie. And then we would shoot coverage of it or shoot long cameras. And uh, tying all that action together was Jason Tucker, the editor, uh, who just did a phenomenal job at the timing and the pacing of it. I mean, this is... 
you know, seven, eight years in for us on one team, one production. So we work as one mind. So it's an amazing, you know, big collaborative effort. Well, let's talk about Bad Batch in particular. The four episodes, Bad Batch, Distant Echo, on the wings of the Kier Dax and Unfinished Business. And before we started getting ready for this episode, neither you or I had ever watched these episodes, which I feel like a jerk. <laughs> I, yeah, I had the same feeling. I felt dumb that I didn't watch them, but I kind of felt justified because I think I couldn't have watched them earlier because I think I would have got too sad. Like it's hard. It was too, uh, the wounds were too fresh to watch it when these kind of first got released. So I'm kind of glad I waited to go back and watch them now, but I, it, I really enjoyed it. These episodes were intended to be the opening arc for season seven, which I kept thinking, wow, that would have been crazy. And maybe it still will be the opening arc for the potential new season or season seven of Clone Wars, where I'm like, wow, this is like in the storyline, like right after Yoda's trippy force trip and all this stuff. But it also makes sense it coming right after or not too long after the whole thing with uh, fives discovering the chip and all that of going really deep and crazy into clone troopers. So, so briefly, how would you describe what's going on in these bad batch episodes? So it's kind of the traditional mission military movie where you bring in the, the super squad of weirdos and tough guys who get things done their own way kind of thing. And we get introduced to the bad batch who are like this, which is weird, but cool of clones that they kind of experimented on. And they took advantage of mutations that happened in the cloning process to get these people that don't really look like the other clones who are all just kind of your stereotypical squad characters, but really extreme. I don't know. What did you think of them? They reminded me a lot of Predator, which then I liked hearing from Dave Filoni that they based the character Hunter who's like the Rambo guy with the headband on Billy from Predator. Hunter will always, when we were directing him and drawing him, he was always kind of Billy from Predator. That yeah. was kind of right. the inspiration for that character. And then uh, Crosshair is always much more a Clint Eastwood kind of, you know, he's like a Cad Bane if he's a clone kind of guy with a toothpick is why he's got the toothpick. And then mm -hmm. Wrecker is, is about as close to the Hulk as we'll get. <laughs> So he's like, yeah, he's a he's a perfect mix of of Rambo and Billy from Predator. Yeah, he's I think ends up being my favorite. The tech was it tech? Did they just call him tech? The techie guy with the glasses. I thought he was great because he kind of looks like Brain from Thunderbirds, which kind of still ties in with the whole Clone Wars kind of being based on the the wooden Thunderbirds puppet. So he was great. <laughs> the big muscle guy was funny. Who's the strongest person? In the Star Wars universe, potentially, because he lifts up a dropship. You got your uh, quiet, creepy sniper guy, Crosshair. Well, I, I liked reading that the whole thing was conceived by George Lucas, who called for a very specific version of a unique group of clones. And the whole thing was to pay homage to kind of like the Dirty Dozen. Well, it's almost like the 
like G.I. Joe or something, too, where you have this squad of all these very unique characters who have unique skill sets. More so even than like when they had I mean, they had the ARC troopers who were kind of like or the Republic Commando kind of guys who were like a black ops SWAT SEAL team kind of thing. But these are like the misfit version of that. And I guess it was George Lucas who called for the return of Separatist Admiral Trench, which I know like for us fans of Admiral Trench and Watt Tambor and the Techno Union in general and the ridiculous bad guys of Clone Wars, this arc of episodes, it's heaven. Yeah. It's kind of like I closed my eyes and fell asleep and it was just four episodes of the best dream I've ever had. Because, yeah, between the just over the topness of the Bad Batch squad and then on the villain side, Watt Tambor and other Watt Tambor buddies teaming up with Cyborg, Admiral Trench, and then ba- battle droids that could fly for some reason that had dinosaur heads and dinosaur feet. And all of that doesn't even bring in the fact that the whatever the natives fly around on giant bats. Yeah, they, they go to this planet and there's these natives there that have the coolest alien voice I've ever heard. I want to hope that that was some Ben Burt magic, but I'm not sure. That language? We, I improvised that. I, I, I was actually thinking, I, I was thinking a little bit of Twin Peaks, uh, the dream sequence. The Red Room. Which is in the Red Room where, where essentially it's speaking backwards. And, and that was sort of my model for what I was, that kind of, that kind of thing. Just speaking backwards. But try to keep the intent of, of, of what the sentence is saying with it. I think, too, didn't Matt Wood do Watt Tambor's voice? It sounded like it. Probably. Because he isn't cool enough doing Watt Tambor now. So I guess when they were pitching this story and Lucas was talking about the Bad Batch, which I still like that the, the whole concept came from George Lucas. <laughs> Some super soldiers. I really like Universal Soldier. It's one of my favorites. Did you see that movie with Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren? We need that, but Star Wars. Do it. He was in a bathtub full of ice. He had to cool down. That's how I want to feel after I watch this episode. (laughs) I'm going to bring in a big metal tub of ice and sit in it while I watch the episode. Filoni saw these episodes as an opportunity to bring back Clone Trooper Echo. But this is where the episode gets really nuts, and I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't watched it, but Echo comes back, and it's total Star Wars madness. It's a Star Wars burrito, chicken, and refried beans, and that's all Star Wars, and the tortilla is also Star Wars. And then you're enjoying it, and all of a sudden you find a whole avocado in it, and that avocado is a cyborg. (laughs) You're like, this is amazing. It's the best burrito I've ever had. It's nuts. And if you've ever thought Clone Wars was cool, but people didn't say algorithm enough, these are the episodes for you because somebody says algorithm at least every five minutes through all four episodes. That's a common complaint. It's about these episodes? No, about Star Wars in general. Oh, okay. That there's not enough. Yeah, no one ever says algorithm enough. I remember being in the lobby after the first showing of The Last Jedi in opening night, and someone said, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think anyone said algorithm in that movie. Bad Batch is your show. Well, and it's like we were saying before, these episodes in their rough form work so well. The action 
in these Bad Batch episodes is so good, even in its rough form where people aren't even like moving their legs. It's like someone moving paper dolls around or action figures, you know, like three and a quarter action figures running around. But it's like you're watching it and you're like, man, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. The camera moves, the ships flying around, the action scenes with the either the Bad Batch doing their craziness, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Joining in, Mace Windu. Mace Windu gives a ridiculous speech to the droids, giving them a chance to surrender. My name is General Mace Windu of the Jedi Order. At this point of the Clone War, I have dismantled and destroyed over 100,000 of you Type 1 battle droids. I'm giving you an opportunity to peacefully lay down your weapons so that you may be reprogrammed to serve a better purpose than spreading the mindless violence and chaos which you have inflicted upon the galaxy. Blast them! It's just, yeah, everything about it. And, you know, it, I don't want to be mean. I like Rebels. I enjoyed Rebels. But, like, this in animatic form is more action-packed and inciting than probably most of the finished episodes of Rebels as far as just pure visual action. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah, there were some great episodes of Rebels. But, like you said, even in this rough form... Uh, the Rebels never really got to that. Yeah, Clone Wars was turned up to the max at this point. It was blowing people's eardrums. Speakers were exploding. Uh, Clone Wars was on fire at this point. Well, and you just got to think, too, when it does come back next year, just what more they can possibly do. Do you think we'll see a step in the progress of the animation. Do you think the animation will be the same or do you think we'll, you will see like a noticeable difference in like, Oh yeah, it's been years since they last did it. And yeah, that's a really good question. I hadn't even thought about that, that yeah, this is like when these come out, it'll have been like six years since clone wars and clone wars had a very distinct style. But as you watch, if you watch the progression of the show from season one through season six, like the quality of the lighting and the animation and everything, even though it still had that kind of very stylized look, the show got better and better looking. And now, yeah, are they going to try to match what season six looked like? Are they going to take advantage of the, just how much faster it is to do all this stuff now? And then how much of the people doing it are people who worked on the original one? Or is there going to be some, difference in style and quality just because it's not the original team of people i don't know and the trailer looked pretty good so yeah the trailer looked like we haven't missed a beat trailer looked like this was done right after the end of season six and they've just been sitting on it for all this time but i we you know you think of what you actually saw in that and it was yeah aside from the bad batch part and then anakin and obi-wan walking in on rex and talking to ahsoka you didn't see very much if we're going to do 12 episodes. It's exciting stuff because if we only get Bad Batch and the 12 episodes is just Bad Batch three times, I will be completely <laughs> satisfied and happy. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm ready. Well, don't be like us. And if you've never watched Bad Batch, it's a great time to watch it and start to get yourself pumped about the return of Clone Wars. It's on StarWars.com, if you go to like the Clone Wars section on there and you scroll around, you can find it. They're on YouTube all over the place. 
And we'll post a link to it in the show notes, and we'll post it up on our Facebook page and the Facebook group too, to for folks to check out. Because oh no, I really recommend it. And you know, it's, I think you said it very well. Where it was too too soon in the past to, to go watch some incredible Clone Wars that never got aired. Nowadays, it's like, all right, let's get a taste for what might be coming. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you really want to be. When the new season of Clone Wars comes out, you want to go in fresh and not know what's going to happen. Don't watch it, but it's Star Wars. You're going to watch everything 10 times at least anyway. So who are you fooling? <laughs> go watch it now and then watch it again when it's even better. But in yeah, if you're, you know, been thinking, hey, and where's all the Watt Tambor and Techno Union content? It's here it is. <laughs> if you're wondering why Admiral Trench wasn't in Rebels, watch Bad Batch. And I did wonder that. Thought about that every day. <laughs> You're staring off into space. Your kids. Dad, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about, Dad? Admiral Trench, you're exactly I remember you in my dreams. <laughs> oh, Admiral Trench. Please, Hot Toys, make an Admiral Trench. Please, Hasbro, Black Series, Admiral Trench. I'll take an Admiral Trench Bendum at this point. Give me some Admiral Trench. I need it. I smell fear. And it smells When I look back on Clone Wars, it, it's a very special time. Its connection to George especially makes it unique. You know, as we've moved beyond that, it's about legacy and continuing that work of what is Star Wars. It's integral to our future at Lucasfilm that we maintain it, which is why, in part, we created Star Wars Rebels, you know, to further our own artistic journey and experimentation with what makes something Star Wars. and. I'm very proud of everybody on the staff. We are still fans to this day. You know, the sadness for me is in some of the people that I've left, that I worked for a long time, but they've gone on. Many of them are doing incredible things elsewhere. And so I'm I'm excited and proud of them working with what they're doing now. And the people that are still here are still doing great things. And I see that they took the lessons they learned on Clone Wars and that they're still moving forward and and making Star Wars true to what it is. That's what that team of people offers. Um, and, and I hope to be doing it for a long, long time in, in this galaxy right now <laughs> and in the future. Jedi aren't just going to sit by while Grievous and his droids take over the whole universe. At least, that's what Anakin says. I'm supposed to listen to him. He's my master. I may just be a Padawan, but soon, I will be a Jedi. And if that means I have to cut my way through a hundred droids, I will. Gladly. Star Wars The Clone Wars. A new adventure every Friday starting October 3rd at 9pm on Cartoon Network. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
So we do not have any new iTunes reviews this week, which is bumming me out because we're on such a roll there. But you can solve that by heading over to iTunes or after you're done listening to this episode, write a little something and we can read that on an upcoming show. We love hearing from you folks. Or you can send us an an email, contact at blastpointspodcast.com on the Facebook page or anything. If you got something to say, let us know. Because, like I said, we like hearing from you. Let's send us a voice message, too. We always like hearing those, and we'll play it on a show. And don't forget to check us out on blastpointspodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you want to join the Blast Points Super Chill group, just let us know, and you can interact with all the Blast Points crazies on Facebook. It's like the Disneyland of Facebook. It's the happiest place. Everybody's having a good time. Happiest place in space. And we're on Spotify now, which is pretty cool. If you're listening to this on Spotify, hey, that's cool. And if you if you were somebody who was like, how come Blast Points isn't on Spotify? Don't worry, we are now. You can stream away wherever you want to stream. <laughs> I think that means people can listen to us on the moon. Probably, yeah, I think they probably have Spotify on the moon. <laughs> Maybe on the moons of Iago. <laughs> I think. Well, on that note, that about wraps up episode number 144. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You're going to want to tune in next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode because it'll be another week of Snoketoberfest. It's still Snoketober. It's going to be another classic line next week. You don't want to miss it. Yeah. You don't want to, you're going to go to work and everyone's going to be like, did you hear the new Snoketoberfest on Blast Points? And you're going to have to say, don't, I don't want to know. I didn't listen yet. <laughs> I haven't subscribed on my podcast provider. Yeah. No spoilers. I don't want to know what Snoke said. <laughs> so don't, don't be that person. Subscribe and listen right away. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. with Star Wars, we had really eight years of Clone Wars, which was fantastic for me and, and for everybody to work on. And um, I'm super excited now seeing how, you know, Star Wars has broadened. And who knows? Be, you know, I always joke, but it'll probably happen in, in 10 years, 15 years, there'll be younger people that grew up with Clone Wars that will be, you know, with reckless abandon wanting to explore um, what I couldn't finish. And, you know, I'm all for that. You know, what are we if not carrying forward a legacy that was set down ahead of us. And uh, I think the most powerful thing with Star Wars is how it passes from generation to generation. And that's what keeps it so strong and keeps your community so strong. So, like I said earlier, I never rule anything out. May the Force be with all of you!